0: As we talked about last week, we have an amazing situation to where Jesus is actually writing letters to the churches. Uh, obviously, he's written through all the other guys, but you, have, you think of the New Testament, you think of the epistles written by Peter, by John, by Paul, and now you have the epistles of Jesus, basically. And so uh, he writes seven letters, what do you know? <clears throat> and the key to uh, Revelation is in verse 19, write, therefore... What you have seen, what is now, and what will take place. And so the division that we have here, uh, three parts the book of Revelation is divided into. And it's all there in verse 19. He told told him, write what you have seen. And so we see that that's chapter 1. What did he see in chapter 1? A vision of Jesus. And then... What is now? chapters two and three, the age of the church." And then after that, it'll begin and ch- uh, what will take place a little later, uh, and that will be everything after, I believe, the age of the church, after everything is out of there. And that, 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 ver- that, that phrase you see, what takes place after these, after these things in verse 19, <clears throat> It's different in your different translations is tauto It means after these things. And so when you get to chapter 4, verse 1, the first phrase is, after these things. And so you know that we're already on section 3 when we get to chapter 4, verse 1. And so it's very important that we have this as our outline. The Bible outlines itself. When it outlines itself, wonderful. Use it. Don't try to put something in there that isn't. So here's the three divisions of the book. Otherwise, you get crazy stuff like You've got the church and the, and, and the Jews all mi- mixed up, and you've got other things going on. Um, we talked about very many, many different men who love the Lord disagree on, but uh, I think verse 19, is a, again, is a very straightforward understanding of how you just look at this book. Now, again, that's from someone who interprets the scriptures, hopefully, inter- uh, literally. So other people have different backgrounds, and they look at that differently. And so what did he see there? He was told to write down what you have seen. And he saw a vision of Christ. And notice, there were seven things about Jesus. Take a guess about that, huh? He talks about the hands that held the seven stars. Very interesting. He held seven stars in his hand, yet he was walking in the midst of the church, the stars being the ministers to the church, the angels of the church. We'll talk about that in a moment, what that might be. Um, but Jesus is among us, yet He's sovereign. He's in control. That's pretty cool. The mouth, a double-edged sword, and there's some of the scriptures. And again, all this stuff will be online. I, I, I posted last week. Anybody take advantage of that slideshow I posted on there? Okay, okay. Got to be more of you. I'm not going to do all that. All right, cool. And by the way, you know, you feel free to bring your laptop or whatever, as long as you're not surfing weird and, and access these things as we're going through this. Um, but uh, anyways, his, his, hands, his mouth is like a double-edged sword, double-edged sword. Where do you, we see that in scriptures? His word, his words are like double-edged sword. It cuts. It's piercing. His words are piercing. One of the, I think it was Spurgeon said, his words are like a sword with no handle. You're going to get cut no matter what happens. that's kind of a a cool thing But the the word of God when Jesus speaks it can destroy and it can heal he's awesome the the amount of emphasis put on the word of God in our lives in the beginning was the word and the word was with God it was all the way in the beginning and he is God and the emphasis we already saw here that that one phrase I was showing you about um, you know his voice being the first thing and his voice being the last thing I am the first and the last just his word his enduring word It's so important that we have that in our lives. It heals us. It cuts out the junk. It lets us know what's going on, the inner workings of our heart, because as Jeremiah says in other places, we don't know what's going on in our own hearts. Matt does not know why he does what he does. It's like, you know, the recesses of my heart, there's a dragon in there. We keep kind of fighting it and going back and back and back, and you just never can get to the end of it. You can psychoanalyze yourself and go through years of things and in the end, you're just a darn sinner who needs God's help and you need grace. You know what I mean? And it's a daily clinging to Him. Lord, help. Now, that doesn't mean we we don't take uh, counsel where we can. I mean, obviously, there's situations where we need that. But the Word of God, it's able to speak to our heart and speak to the matter of our souls. How many times have you been uh, on Sunday mornings here or in the, in the distance past or as you're going through your own uh, own studies that, that God just, a verse speaks to you? And how many times when that verse spoke to you, it encouraged your heart? And it was the exact word that needed to be, be said. <clears throat> you know, this week I was, uh, Nick's not here so I can I can give him a hard time. You know what, this week, you know, I just was praying that we wouldn't have to move. My you know, my body's just hurting, and, and I just didn't want to go through all that. And I, and I hate to bring that out, but you ever come to a place where you're just like, Lord. And I couldn't get the words out of my mouth when I found out, you know, hey, no, this is going to move forward. I couldn't, I just was getting, Lord, I just can't. And then I got a text. That moment, and, and, and Nick sent me a text, and uh, it said, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. In that verse about Paul. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And the word just cut to the matter at that moment. It just cut me. Ah, I'm, this is an opportunity, this, this moment of my me- weakness for God to be glorified. For his strength to happen. And he wanted to let me know. He didn't tell me how. But he wanted to let me know that in your weakness, I'm made strong. So you be weak and I'll be strong. Let it happen. Uh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Nick. And so to the angels, uh, he he writes these things. That, I'm sorry, I, I kind of skipped ahead. But he had, he had the hair in the head was the first four. Sorry, I'm out of order there. Uh, was white like wool and his snow, white meaning purity and, and just uh, perfection, royalty. His eyes like a blazing fire, fires uh, as we sing about, refining, refiner's fire. It's also a symbol of judgment in scriptures. His feet were like glowing bronze, uh, refined metal of strength and also of judgment and also of sacrifice. Remember the bronze serpent and the bronze altar and these other things. And his voice is like many waters. Any of you ever been out on the river when things are going crazy? Uh, or, or for me, surfing and the waves are just pounding and pounding, pounding. You ever tried screaming? It just, you get swallowed up in the sound. It's just, and his voice is like many waters. It's majestic. It's powerful. So that's our, that's our Lord Jesus. And he writes, he says, To the angels of the church in Ephesus, write... These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven gold, golden lampstands. And so, uh, as we go here, he says that these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Jesus speaks to, he first of all, <clears throat> he first of all uh, when he's writing to these churches, there's a structure to it. He says, first of all, it is the name of the church, Ephesus. And then he gets a title of himself actually from chapter 1. He goes into chapter 1 and pulls out something of, about himself that he's already said and reveals himself to this church. And then he gives him a commendation. Hey, this is what's going great. And then he lets him know some concerns. Nevertheless, I have this against you. And then he goes in exhortations. This is what you need to do to straighten it out. And then lastly, uh, the two it's a, he gives a promise to the one who overcomes. And then he gives a closing phrase. And, and the closing phrase that's a re- repetitive here, and by the way, these, these structures, it's a general structure throughout all of them. Some will be missing, but they'll be missing on purpose. And we'll kind of get to that later as we go through the other churches. And they might be in a little bit different order. But uh, applying Jesus' letters... um, Why is it jumping like this? I'm sorry, folks. But anyways, that that last phrase, to him who has an ear, let him hear what the the, the Spirit says to the church. This is something he tells to all the different churches. Every single one gets this little end on each letter to each church. Now, as we go through this we want to find out how in the world does this apply how, how does this apply to me and there are four different levels of application kind of uh which what you can get out of this and the first is local obviously as you're reading this is a real church in real time isn't it these were real people real people going through real situations And so Jesus addresses this church. And he says, write on a scroll that you've seen, send it to the seven churches, and he lays them all out. These are physical churches, which are in Ephesus, Smyrna, Perga, so real places. There's a local application. These were real people. The second, there's a possibility that he was saying, to all the churches. The application is not only to the churches that were there in the, in the original time period, but to the churches in general. Because He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He's speaking to the churches plural. So one of the churches receiving the letter would be benefited by the other church's letter. Does that make sense? God's talking to someone else's life. How often is it that it can encourage you or tell you where you need to go? So the next level is obviously... Is kind of a corporate thing, where where it's it's speaking to the different churches, and then the next level is we can we can see is the he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What do you think that implies? Who who would that be for? Personal, right? Personal application. So each of these letters has a personal application. As you go through it, you can also apply it to yourself. So we can read it and see, hey, in the first century church, this is what they were dealing with and this is what God was saying to them. And then we can say, hey, between the, how, how does this affect CCF? How is this uh, us collectively as a whole? How is this ministering, ministering to us or the church down the street or the church of Walla Walla that the Lord is over? And as we continue, we can say also, hey, well, what about me? What about my life? How does this affect me? What is he saying? How does this change my life? And lastly, prophetic. You know, it's amazing how each of these different uh, letters, they fit into a a time period of the church. And if they were put in any other different way, it wouldn't work out. And so we'll kind of go through that as well. So there's these four different applications that you can have as we're going to. And so using that original outline of the seven things he's he of the churches, the first is the name of the church. He, he writes to the church of Ephesus, right? And so he, he addresses the church of Ephesus. And for you history buffs, Uh, Ephesus, all the stuff you can get online, I'm not going to go into it too deeply right now, but it means desired one or darling. That's very interesting. The very first thing that he goes after is is the church of Ephesus, which means desired one or darling. Um, It was founded in 1400 BC. There is an emphasis on pagan worship that was sensual, eventually identifying with the goddess Diana. Um, Skipping forward... Um, Alexander had a hand in there. Eventually, Ephesus became the capital of a Roman province after it was conquered. Ephesus in the New Testament. Paul was in Ephesus, and you can read about that in Acts 19 and 20. Ephesus later became the center of a missionary effort throughout Asia. Timothy might have become the bishop. Remember he told Timothy, Timothy, you get back to Ephesus and you, and you, and you take care of that place. Set them straight. Set up leaders, get it going. This is where we find a, a Aquila and Priscilla and Apollo. They all live there. And Aquila being the man, Priscilla being his wife, and then Apollo, Apollo, sorry. Forgot to add the S in there. Um, who possibly might have been the writer of Hebrews. We don't know, but he was a very eloquent teacher. And <laughs> It was at that time that he was, he was speaking about the Word of God, yet he didn't have the Holy Spirit. And so Aquila and Priscilla pulled him aside and discipled him and said, Hey, you're missing something big here. He was anointed, and man, what a crazy guy for God that was. And so according to Eusebius and others, John, the revelator, returned... To Ephesus in 95 AD, after being released, he was in prison for around 10 years on Patmos. Once that uh, emperor died, they kind of just let him go. And it's said by Eusebius, one of the early church fathers, that he went back to Ephesus. And John's gospel was written there. Uh, Timothy, John, and Mary, the mother of Jesus' tombs, are there. Uh, in 4.8.31, there's another note. There's a council of Ephesus where they talked about Mary, the mother of God. How you should say that or not—that's that's neither here nor there. But this is a real church that Jesus was speaking to, uh, and so he's, he gives them the title. And, and I'm going to go slow over Ephesus, but I'm not going to go into all this detail when I get to the other churches. So this is kind of an outline for you to look at as we go as we start moving forward. So to the church of Ephesus, write: These are the words of Him who holds. The seven lampstands, I'm sorry, hold the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven lampstands. And so uh, Jesus identifies himself here from chapter one. Again, Jesus holds the stars in his hands and he walks amongst the lampstands. Jesus is with us, yet he holds, uh, he holds everything in his hands. That's amazing. Specifically, he is holding the angels of the church. Now these angels, they could be a couple different things. We don't know it, just as angels. And that word angels means messenger. Most of the time, it's referred to spiritual beings. Those, those crazy creatures. Everybody when they see them, they fall down, and go ah, you know. Not the little cupid things with no, that that's not real. No, we got big burly looking guys up there. Crazy stuff. Some with four faces and six wings, and it gets it gets wild. Some, and some appear just like us. So um but it could have been now these angels could be literal angels over the church like literal spiritual beings angels that were over the church and and we kind of get a hint of maybe that possibility in daniel chapter 10 remember daniel chapter 10 daniel's praying and what happens he didn't get a message why not because the prince of persia an entity a power was holding back the angel that was coming to bring him a message and it wasn't until Michael the archangel came and busted him out that he was able to relay that message. And so there's a hint at there being different principalities over different places, the Prince of Persia. And he talks about that in, 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 in a different letter where Satan has his den. And so this might be literal churches. And it might possibly be uh, just, uh, you know, the apostles or the messengers who are over that, those churches. We don't know. But nevertheless, Jesus holds them in their hand, and that's what I need to know. Amen? <laughs> so angel in the, mes- in the Greek is, is for messenger. Now he gives a commendation. That's the next one. Yet, <clears throat> I'm sorry, why is it yet I hold this against you? No, we're not there yet. Commendation. And so I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Jesus knows what we're doing, good or bad, our good deeds and our bad deeds. And Jesus is commending them for their deeds, what they've done, their hard work and their perseverance. That's good to know. And he goes on on a little bit more and he gives them some some more detail here. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. The Ephesians uh, lived in a wicked city, a very wicked city. There was a temple with Diana, with all this type of false worship and, and sensual type stuff associated with it. And there, it was the center of magic of the time. It was a Roman capital. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. There's a lot of emphasis on evil. They are commended for remaining holy, for not engaging in all this stuff, for staying separated to the Lord. God likes that stuff when you when you're His. Not allowing false prophets to be among them. They kept their doctrine. It's amazing. This, this letter was given to them 35 years after Paul said his farewell in Acts 20. And you know what he said in his, in his farewell in, A- in Acts chapter 20? He says, Now I know that none among you have, have gone about preaching the ki- I'm sorry. I know that none of you among whom I have gone out about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Remember that sad story there in Acts chapter 20? Therefore, I, de- I, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God or the whole counsel of God. So important to, 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 as, a, as a teacher of the Word of God to give them the whole Bible, not just the parts you want to know. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of God. And he's speaking to the elders, of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he has brought, bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among, among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own numbers, men will arise. And what will they do? And they'll distort the truth in order to draw away disciples for themselves. And so be on your guard. Remember that for years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. And so Paul, in his final letter, he's warning them. Hey, you watch out. Hold your doctrine. Be careful. People are going to come in and try to twist it. They're going to try to take you away from the gospel. And what happens in Revelation? I know your deeds, your hard work. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. What happened 35 years later? Did they hold true to it? That you tested those who claim to be apostles but not, and they have found them false. Jesus is saying, good job. And how many things are we going through that the Lord is saying, good job. Way to hold on to that. Way to stay true in this. I know it's hard, but you've persevered. Keep doing what's right. Keep doing keep yourself from wickedness. Come towards me. You've persevered and you've endured hardships and you've not grown weary. And then he gives them some concerns. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. You remember that a little while back I I I spoke on this. Um, I told you we'd get here from we went to Revelation. So now he's got the concerns going. Jesus speaks the truth to them. He lets them know that they've done well in these other areas. He also lets them know what needs some attention. The Ephesians worked hard. They persevered. They met together. They worshiped. They they prayed. They They were doing all the great things. Amen? Yet this I have against you. Jesus is a straight shooter. He's a straight shooter. After after committing them, he tells him his concern, and so he reminds the church that they've left their first love. The question for us is: is have we left our first love? Remember that personal application. How about CCF? Has CCF left its first love? How about the church in Walla Walla? Has it left its first love? How about the church in America? Has it left its first love? See how the different levels there of application. How about you? Have you left your first love? Now, notice the things that they were doing. They were doing some good deeds. Amen? They were commended. Were they, did they have right doctrine? They had awesome doctrine. They were all about the doctrine. But what did they lack? Devotion. God desires devotion as well as doctrine orthodoxy, orthopraxy, those kind of weird words. Orthodoxy, right? Teaching. Orthopraxy, right? Living. So the question is, you know, hey, have have we left our first love? You can only be going two directions in your relationship with the Lord, right? Forward, backwards. Perhaps you have good doctrine. That's cool. Great. Awesome. Keep it going. Stay pure. Stay holy. Keep yourself from the sin of the world, you know? When you're hardworking, the Lord's, you know, it's evident. What you're doing for His name, that's great. But where's Jesus in your life? Your first love. How's that going? Do you long to be in His presence? Or is that not a factor? Do this break my heart for what breaks yours? How does that happen? By being around them. By loving them. You know, there comes a time and there came a time in my walk and I struggle with it still all, all the time. The Lord takes you out of such a mess. He saves you, and you're excited, and, and you're devoted to Him, and you're you're all about getting. You know, I don't want my hands in the world anymore. I don't want to listen to this music. I don't want to, I don't want to be tainted by all that stuff that that just that killed me. You know, that just came in and strangled me. And it's like you you didn't have the maturity or or the or the ability to. You know, discern through all this stuff. You just had to say, I'm yours, Lord, take all of me. Remember that? Anybody? You couldn't dabble halfway. You just had to say, I'm all in. But what happens? We grow in our relationship with the Lord, and then, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And then we learn how to be Christians. Awesome. Christian culture, super. Super. I just if, if you don't think Christians don't have a culture, hey, by the way, we're not having uh, Christmas service this year. <laughs> what? <laughs> Crucify him. You know what I mean? It's really easy. Blasphemer. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not in Scripture. You legalist. You know? We have a Christian culture that's, that's, that's there, right? And we get good at it. Sunday morning, amen? Well, some of you. You know, we know how to do it. But somehow the, the actions become more important than the person. Why do we do what we do? The Ephesians, Jesus was saying, you know what? You're busy about the business of the king. But you're not busy about being with the king. You left your first love. You're doing all these great things. Cool, and I'm excited about that. But you forgot why. You forgot me. Remember Jesus standing over Jerusalem, and he wept for them. Oh, how I long to gather you to myself. I say this often. But you were not willing. What were they doing? They were going to church, and they were feasting, and they were singing the songs, and they were doing all the things. But they missed him. Says there in, in Revelation that Jesus is was among the church. He's walking among the church. He wants to be with us. You know, everything we do in this life, if you've been born again, it, it's about him. It's about his kingdom and his glory. And Jesus has a way of, of being cool. Look, notice how he did that. He encouraged him of all the things they were doing right. Isn't that great when, when your boss comes up to you and says, You know, you're doing all these things well? And this is the, they recognize your efforts and, and the things you're doing well. But at the same time, we, uh, there's a disservice done to us when we don't have the, the truth in our own lives. We go on thinking that everything's hunky dory. And then we go down, and, and, and if you have a bad employer, you, you get fired and you don't even know why. What was I doing? You don't have clarity. You can't change your character. You can't change anything about you. Jesus loves us too much. We're his kids. Those he loves, he chastens. And he comes up to the church in Ephesus and says, hey guys, I love all the things you're doing. But guess what? All the things, they don't matter to me as much as your devotion. Your devotion, I want you. Mary and Martha, we know the story. How many Marthas are out there? woo Dude, I I was doing the the PowerPoint and I was doing. I'm a Martha. Right? I'm there. What needs to be done? Let's do it. You know, I'm a Martha. I like to do certain things for God. Matt, how's that praying with me this week? Yeah, well, I got to do the PowerPoint, Lord, for you. Got to go to the elders' meeting, Lord, for you. Got to preach for you, Lord. Have you left me, Matt? You left your first love, how are you treating your wife? Not too well this week, guys. Don't ask her. That's not funny. You know? But when I get my eyes off the one who bought me from this mess, everything else is It's like gong just gongs and it's not pleasing. It's not, it's not pleasing to him to him. He wants our hearts. You know? Doctrine, you know. They had doctrine, but they lacked devotion. And so he gives them a, a remedy. Thank you, Lord. He doesn't just tell us what's wrong. He tells us what to do. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Thank you, Jesus. He exhorts us. Exhortation is awesome in the church. I love it. I love to give it. I don't like to receive it. Um, let me clarify that, yeah. <clears throat> but he gives you three R's right there. Remember, wherever you are, if you're in this situation with the Lord, remember from where you have fallen. Contemplate. Think about where, what the Lord brought you from. And where you were and where you are now. Remember these things. Why are you doing what you do? And repent. That means to change your mind. To turn away from sin and turn to Christ. To, turn to worship means to turn towards and to lick the palm of your master. You know? Turning away from this other stuff. And, and, and changing your mind about the direction you're going. And, and just stopping it. But I can't stop. Yes, you can just a matter of you obeying the Lord Jesus. We've talked about that time before. The things that you think are impossible, when you begin to obey Christ, He gives you the power to do it. My strength is made perfect in your weakness, Matt. Return. Start doing what you should. Remember the first things you did with the one you love. Start doing those things again. Remember the, from the height which you have fallen. Repent and do the first things you did. And if you do not repent, I'm going to come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Where's the lampstand of Ephesus today? Where's Ephesus? The little, the little. It's a pile of rocks. It's great to go to and look at for an archaeological, you know, angle. But it's done. You know. There's only a few minutes left, but the important thing what makes us think we can survive apart from the vine? Do you think CCF will last if we disregard what Jesus is saying to his church? Boom. I'll remove you from your lampstand. Doesn't mean you're going to hell. I want to be where people love me. I want to be in your midst. I want to come sit next to you on Sunday. I want to be with you in your car. I want to be with you at the soccer game. I want your life to be about me. Bring me everywhere you are. I want to be in your midst. Jesus is in the midst of his church, not the building, the people. The building wasn't happening until 300 years after, you know, after Christ, 300 or 400 years after Christ. It was home fellowships. It was hanging out in people's homes. It was real life happening, inviting other brothers and sisters over and hanging out. I mean, we got to change some things. I got to change some things. You know what I mean? He wants to be in your midst. If you don't repent, we come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. This is cool. Jesus comes back, and as they're totally discouraged, because, you know, you ever had a situation where you're in front of someone, and and you you perform, or whatever it is, and everybody claps, but there's one boo? What do you remember? (laughs) Boo. And so, no doubt, as they're reading this letter, they come to the part, and yeah, 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 cool, Lord, thanks. And then it's like, oh, man, we've missed it big. The the big thing that should be the main thing we've missed this is the love of Christ devoted to him, letting him organize my day and my life. And then Jesus goes on, hey, but goes back and gives them another thing that they're good at, just to encourage him again, to lift them up, give him some grace. He goes, but this I have in your favor. You hate the deeds, of the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And so in the first century sect, there, there's two dea- ideas of what this might be. A first century sect claiming apostolic authority for, for, uh, for their opinion. Basically, in Acts chapter 6, there might have been a guy who kind of uh, took a sect of people away and said that they were the, the real apostles and all this stuff. So there might have been this Nicolaitans. Uh, the second thing is, it, it, this is a, probably an untranslated word. In other words, it just was brought straight over. It wasn't put into our language, and so we're like, what is that? Well, uh, from Nikal meaning conqueror to overcomer to rule, and Laos meaning laity, the people. So to to rule over the laity. And so the idea is that the clergy were ruling over the people. A spiritual hierarchy. Um, Jesus gave us an org chart for the church. The king of kings and the Lord of lords gets down and he washes his disciples' feet. He says, you go do likewise. That's the org chart for the church. When leaders begin to rule over the people and begin to set up a spiritual hierarchy, like we see in, it's common to man, isn't it? We do it in in business, right? And so why not just translate it right into the church? No, it's the opposite. The greatest is the least in the kingdom of God. The servant of all? Am I am I serving you? Am I washing your feet? You know? Am I doing this so that you will know the Lord Jesus? So that you will be edified in your walk with him. You know what I'm saying? Or am I doing this so that you serve me? Boy, that's a matter of the heart, isn't it? But Jesus says, I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. I hate it. I died to abolish that thing. So that's possibly the translation. And I personally, I I hold to that. But again, you go study yourself. Now, really quickly, does that mean that there isn't spiritual authority that God's given men in the church? Absolutely. And when they speak into your life, you better listen as shepherds over your soul who have to give an account. So don't let there be this, this blah, like that God hasn't placed people in your life to shepherd you and encourage you. Listen up. That Jesus gave the disciples and the disciples they set up elders over churches. Why? So that their souls would be shepherded and encouraged. They'd serve them and encourage them in the Lord and they'd point out what was going wrong in their life and encourage them in the right direction. So don't mess the don't confuse the idea of uh, a spiritual hierarchy with spiritual authority. There's, there is, there's a, a ruling over, you know, a, a lording it over, and then there's a, a serving it. And so th- this idea is, is, is one of the, the uh, previous word they were ruling over the church. But he ends this thing right now. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let him hear what the Spirit's saying. What's the Spirit saying to you, to you this morning? We're getting to the application. will be done. But this closing phrase: "He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." Interesting, uh, interesting enough that these, uh, this closing phrase, is uh, is actually number six, and six is number seven for the first three churches, and the last three, uh, the last four churches, it's reversed. And so, and we'll we'll see why here next next week. But he gives him a little encouragement at the end. Kind of like a P.S. To him who overcomes, I will give him the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. We know that from Genesis after uh, chapter 1 and, and such. But the tree of life, uh, we want that. Remember Adam, he sinned, he couldn't eat it from the tree of life unless he had to be in an eternal state. He had an angel to separate him from that. Well, that tree's in the paradise of God. And one day he will overcomes. To he who overcomes, I will give him the right to eat of that tree. Let's be overcomers, amen? Not allow our love to die. Let's repent, remember, return, right? But there's a local, real quickly, the the four levels of application here. The Ephesians, uh, Ephesus was a church that held to doctrine, but they left their first love. How's that going in your life? The Lord desires devotion as well as doctrine. And he actually prefers devotion. (laughs) Application to the churches. Jesus commends doctrinal purity. He likes it. He can't stand heresy. He hates it. What happened when he, what was he doing with the Pharisees? Telling them it was okay? He smacked them around, called them broods of vipers, and gave them a bunch of woes. And he was serious, he went lethal on them. And then lacking devotion to the king, the Ephesus. and, and the, he, In general, are we lacking devotion to our king? Have we left our first love? Are we too busy? I love this phrase. Are we being too busy on the business of the king rather than the king for the king himself? Are we too busy about the business of the king? Or just, you know what, straight out in our, in our church, just business in, being busy in your life. What about him? Is he prioritizing your day? You know, better wake up, Matt included. So being too busy, so that the, to the church. And so obviously uh, the personal application. He want devotion. Thank you. This should be an S here. <laughs> he wants devotion, not just doctrine. What about private worship? Private worship. Commitment, not melodies, not songs. That doesn't mean he doesn't want you to sing. Somebody you go, yay. But he wants the commitment, the heart, and then the songs flow. See? And then the first commandment, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. If I speak with the tongue of men's and angels and I have not love, I'm like a sounding gong, right? First Corinthians chapter 13. First love. This is uh, G, uh, G. Campbell Morgan. He said, uh, First love is the abandonment of all for a love that has abandoned all. The love that has abandoned all for us, right? It's pretty cool. So, then there's the prophetic. And we'll just, we'll end on this. I believe the the prophetic part would be that uh, the application of this is that this is the apostolic church that we're speaking to. If you were to group each of these letters into ages for the church, if you were to look at it that way, which many of the churches do, this is probably the apostolic church. They were diligent in their doctrine, but what happened? They're all about making sure false teachers weren't happening. No, but they lost their first love. And so take that and and chew on it. Um, And so next week, actually not next week, the week after. Next week is going to be Thanksgiving. Uh, I want to do do a Thanksgiving service again to where we just gather together, sing just a couple songs, but just take time as a church. And I want to open microphones to where we are going to say thank you to the Lord for what he's done. And just stand up in front of our brothers and sisters and say, this is what the Lord has done this year. This is how he's been faithful to us. And we stop and we remember. We stop and remember our first love. We go back to him and say, Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in this time, for how you've, what you've grown to me. Things that are happening in your family, things that have happened in your job, in your life, things that have happened in, in the country, circumstances, things that have happened here. We have so much to be thankful for, but next week we're going we're gonna to focus on thankfulness. And so be thinking. Be thinking about some things that the Lord would put on your heart and, and, and share it with your family this week. Amen? So the week after that, Revelation 2, and again, we'll do in rapid succession the, next, the, the rest of the letters. and so. But to me, I believe that chapters 2 and 3 are the most important chapters for us in this whole thing because it talks about the church. That's us. And so I want to spend time on it and then I'd rather fast forward through and then fire fell down from though and they all died and then a third of the earth was dead. Okay, so I want to focus on the church and what the Lord is saying to the church. So we'll front load this and then speed through it, okay? All right, let's 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 stand and let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we give you our hearts and our lives again. And ask that one One song was, Lord, refiner's fire. My heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. Purify us, Lord. Purify us with your word, Father. Speak into our lives and cut. And Lord, help us to do what you said. To remember from where we've fallen. To repent, to turn away from it. And to start doing what's right. And as we do, you'll give us the strength to do it. Thank you that your grace is sufficient. Lord, I ask that your hand would be upon your church this week. Your sons and daughters that are in this room, the little kids in in the other place, and we ask that you would speak to our hearts and not let us walk blindly. And that we would be a people who you'd want to be around, Lord. And that we would want to be around you. So, Father, increase your, your presence in this place with us as we go. Manifest yourself to us, Lord, and speak to the hearts of your people that we would know you. For this is eternal life to know you, the one true God, Jesus Christ whom you sent. I love you, Lord. Amen.